others are gathering with us, let's turn to some of these lovely old hymns. God loved the world of sinners lost and ruined by the fall. Salvation full at highest cost, he offers free to all. Remain seated while we sing, please. story sweet to hear. I love to tell it to you. It fills my heart with hope and cheer. Tis old yet ever new. Sister Pearl used to say that Christine sang this when she was going out with me. There will never be a sweeter story. But I don't think that was really the meaning of uh, what that verse is about. It has a more spiritual significance. Of course, we're talking about a story of redeeming grace. There is a story sweet to hear. 
opening hymn tonight is the hymn 304. There, <clears throat> it's the hymn 304. We are never, never weary of the grand old song, Glory to God. Hallelujah. sing that final verse again. There will shout redeeming mercy in a glad new song. Glory to God. Hallelujah. While we're singing this final verse again, we're going to ask one of our young people, Mr. Lewis McCauley, if our brother Lewis would come and lead us to the throne of grace in an opening word of prayer, please. Amen. 
Let's all pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for just giving us this another day, Lord, to come into your house, Lord, and to worship you. Um, Lord, we just give over this service to you now, Lord. Um, Lord, I just pray for Dr. Campbell, Lord. Um, just thank you for even giving him journey and mercies, Lord, to come down here, Lord. Um, I just pray that you'd be with him, Lord. Thank you for giving him a testimony to give. Um, I pray that you'd just give him all the words he has to say, Lord, and that you'd even just speak through him this evening, Lord, to someone here. Um, Lord, I just pray for all those who are um, in need of prayer, Lord, who are sick at the moment, Lord. Pray for Ernie Monteith, Lord. I just pray that you would draw alongside him, Lord, and the family at the moment, Lord, and just give them um, a touch of your comfort, Lord. And, um, Lord, I just even <clears throat> pray for little Joe Hegarty as well, Lord. Um, Lord, I just pray for this wee child, Lord, that you would just um, raise him to full health and strength, Lord. And, and I even just pray for Andrew and Jessica and Ivor and Sylvia as well at the minute, Lord, that you'd just be that comfort that they need at the moment. <clears throat> Lord, just even pray for Maureen as well, Lord. Just pray um, that even uh, at the moment you would just draw alongside her, Lord, and let her know um, that her Lord's with her, Lord. And <clears throat> um, I just pray that you would uh, be of a comfort to her, Lord. I just even pray for uh, Lydia at the minute, Lord. I just um, pray for both her and Ryan, Lord. I just pray that you would raise her to full health and strength, Lord. I just pray that you would um, help them as they deal with this uh, news, Lord, and I just pray for that wee family, Lord, that you would just um, really be with them at this time. Um, Lord, I just pray for your work that's going on at the minute, Lord, even through the week. I pray especially for the school's ministry, Lord. Um, I just thank you for that opportunity that's been presented, Lord, and um, Lord, I just pray for Mr. Park and Greg, Lord, as they would just um, go about and bring your word into schools that were maybe previously unreached, Lord, and um, I just pray that those children would uh, be able to receive your word, Lord. Um, so, Lord, just be with us. Pray for the rest of the service, Lord, that your hand would be upon it. And I ask all this in your name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lewis, for leading us to the throne of grace in prayer. We're going to sing together the words of the hymn 310, Redeemed, how our love to proclaim it, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. This hymn, as the opening hymn, was written by Fanny Crosby. And you'll know that Fanny Crosby was born blind and lived all her life without her sight. And just reading this evening something that she said, and I think it's a challenge to us all. She said, if I had a choice, I would still choose to remain blind. For when I die, the first face that I will see will be the face of my blessed Savior. What a testimony that she had and what a gift she had. And we're going to sing this lovely hymn, Redeemed, How I Love to Proclaim It.
That's a good hymn. Uh, I don't sing that hymn, but I think of the late Albert Macaulay as one of his favourites, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I want to bid you welcome to the house of God tonight, to Hebron. And if you're a visitor, we're extra specially glad to see you. Trust the Lord will bless you. If you're joining us on the internet by Sermon Audio or Facebook or YouTube, I want to bid you welcome to the meeting also. And the man who has come to give a personal word of testimony, he'll be welcomed later, but Dr. Campbell, delighted to have you. And we got a little bit of time with him last year, my wife and I, along with his wife, were on holiday together, and we enjoyed those times of fellowship, the one with the other. We're looking forward to him coming to speak to us tonight, to give his testimony, just to share with you what's in his heart. And we look to the Lord for blessing that will follow. We're also glad to see Lydia with us, and we know the news that she's received this week. And uh, again, I want, on behalf of the church, to remind her that we're in prayer with her, standing with her, and Ryan and the family, in all that is before her, and all the treatment that she has to receive. Praying that the Lord will touch her and raise her to health and strength. Continue to remember morning. Morning's lingering on, Dave and. Uh, we were with her this evening before we came to the service. and uh, She hasn't long to go in this life. And we remember her at the throne of grace in prayer. Uh, the good news about little Joe is that he got out of hospital. And it seems that he has some kind of viral infection. But uh, they'll continue to keep an eye on him. And we pray for a speedy recovery, even for the little baby. Supper will be served tonight. And so you're very welcome to stay. Enjoy fellowship uh, together, a cup of tea, something to eat. Uh, it's always good to have a time like this. You get to know one another and you get to have a chat. It's not maybe very often we're able to do that through the week, but on a Sunday night it gives the church that opportunity. After the meeting tonight for young people that are able to go to Bush Mills, <clears throat> it's the youth rally there tonight and one of our own, David McCauley, is the speaker and they also have supper, and each one of our young people are welcome to attend that service. That's a quarter to nine. In the morning, mother and toddlers, or the Hebron tots, as we now call it, is at 10 o'clock. Uh, we can't call it mother and toddlers because some fathers now come. You'd have to say mother and father and toddlers, but uh, tremendous numbers coming out to it, and it's just a joy to see all those folks coming in. And for those that don't know the Lord, as a little stepping stone, uh, we believe, to introduce them to the Lord, to the church, to God's people here. And we pray for that witness that it will be owned of God. We value your prayer this week. As you know, we have these wonderful opportunities to get into nearly all the schools in the area. Uh, last year, last term, uh, we get into 14. We've already plans for 13 so far this year and this incoming week it's a busy one with schools and we don't have Greg or um, Christina to help us this week so remember us as we go tomorrow at lunchtime to Dalriada to their SU Tuesday morning to the William Pinkerton Memorial in Dervik um, Wednesday morning to the model and then Thursday morning to the Laney uh, we're so thankful to the Lord because we do believe he has opened these doors and we have this means now of reaching hundreds of children with the gospel as we visit our schools. 
Monday evening is our Sunday school teachers prayer meeting. That's at eight o'clock. Tuesday night, or Tuesday morning rather, the senior fellowship at 11. And then Tuesday evening, it's the youth challenge at 7 p.m. Wednesday night is the ladies fellowship and our sister Margaret Russell, long serving missionary to the land of Kenya, Africa, will be here to speak. She's now retired home these past few years and we're looking forward to Margaret uh, coming along to speak to the ladies and the Hebron ladies will be singing. Thursday night is the midweek service at eight o'clock and one of our committee men, one of our deacons, Mr. Victor Galt, will be the preacher. Very glad that Victor consented to do this and uh, he, he's indicated the Lord has given him a word and that's the important thing. When you come to God's house, there's a word from God for your heart. There'll be special prayer for our youth ministry. Every Thursday night, we remember an aspect of the church here and it's our young people on Thursday. Remember us as we go to Tandragee, we're involved in the Christian Workers Training Academy and we hope to be there this Thursday. Friday night, we'll be here, God willing, to speak to our young people and their meeting is at 8 p.m. Saturday is a work day for the congregation. If you can help out, come in in the morning. I mentioned nine o'clock. I don't know whether that's to be revised or not, Philip. Uh, you might be in a bit earlier, but anyhow, if you get for nine o'clock, that will be good. Next Lord's Day begins with the early season of prayer at 8 a.m. Sunday school at 10.30, Bible class quarter to 11, and Mervyn will be dealing with happiness and sadness. This is a study in the book of James, good guidance for godly living. The worship service at 12 noon, uh, we're doing a series this time, this present time in Mark's gospel, making our way through. We're still in chapter 11, and we will come, I think it is to message 99 next Lord's Day. So we're looking forward to getting to the 100 mark uh, the following week, God willing. Sunday night's a very special uh, night for us because Samuel Johnson, one of our deacons who has been elected as an elder of this church, will be uh, ordained and installed as a, a new elder in Hebron. So we invite you to come back next Sunday night for that special service. Uh, our moderator will be here to preach the word. Look forward to that. And uh, the clerk of Presbytery, Reverend Greer, will be here to put the questions to Samuel. Others will be taking part. So please uh, invite your friends, come along, and let's have a good night as we install Samuel as an elder. Supper will be served, and ladies, just as you've helped uh, tonight, we look to you to bring half a loaf of sandwiches and a dozen buns. Let me mention Jonathan, because Jonathan has received and accepted the call to Mount Marion. And at this moment in time, the 8th of March has been set aside, 8 o'clock, in the Martyrs Memorial for Jonathan's uh, ordination and then installation into the congregation of Mount Marion. So pray for him. He's one of our own, grew up in this church from uh, the day he was born. And he, he then, of course, married and he's living in Lisburn. And actually, he's a member now with Lisburn, Dr. Campbell's church. We continue to pray for the sick, the ones that we mentioned earlier, and those that are on the, the prayer list. Uh, there are many to remember. So I think that's all the announcements that I need to make. I'm going to hand it back uh, to 
Mervyn, as we bring our tithes and offerings into the house of God, today has led the Bible speak and missionary covenant support. And as we mentioned this morning, the offering for the teachers once a year, the first Sunday of February, we left an offering for the teachers of our Christian school to encourage them. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Park, for doing that for us. We're going to remain seated and we're going to sing the hymn, What Gift of Grace. Look forward to next Sunday morning. We're all going to get a 99. And so I don't know whether that uh, Dr. Campbell would rec recommend you have a 99 uh, on a Sunday morning at church. But maybe uh, if we come in early on the Saturday morning, you never know, there might be a fry. And so we'll be very healthy. Now, Elaine has just looked at Philip and she says, no, I don't think there'll be a fry. I jest, I jest. Well, you never know. So uh, that hopefully will be an encouragement. So we look forward to the healthy eating next weekend at Hebron. What gift of grace is Jesus, my Redeemer? There is no more for heaven now to give. When Christ came, when Christ left heaven, there was nothing more to give because everything was given in him. Think of these lovely words remaining seated while the evening tithe and offering is lifted, please.
be seated. I want to thank Mervyn for leading the service tonight. We always appreciate that on family night. And we welcome again Dr. Nigel Campbell. He's been a good friend for many, many years. And he's well known to this congregation. He's many friends here as well. And he's coming to speak as a believer. He's coming to speak as a doctor in his profession. And whatever he says, I know it'll be from the Lord and it's going to be beneficial to all that are here. So we do pray for the Lord's servant as he comes to give this very personal word of testimony. May the Lord bless him, make him a blessing to you and me. Thank you. Thank you very much, Reverend Park, for your kind invitation to come here. I do feel I'm amongst friends. I do know quite a number in the congregation, and it's my pleasure to be here with you in Balamani. I've rarely been in a pulpit with such good singing. Uh, these men can sing, so I really enjoyed that. And of course, you're known as a good singing congregation here in Balamani, and you didn't disappoint tonight. I particularly liked that last hymn that we sang together. We're going to turn for a short scripture reading to the book of Ephesians. Now, this will be a very well-known passage, and I want to refer to it in my testimony a little later. Book of Ephesians chapter 2, verses that you will know, and we're going to read from verse 1 down through to verse 10. There's a wisp of bar in the pulpit. I don't know if that's for me or not, is it? <laughs> There's also a drink. <laughs> Oh, both for me, that's good. So if I get hungry, I can, I can tuck into this wisp of R. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, and we're reading from verse number 1. And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein to time past ye walked, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace you are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast." For we are as workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And we'll finish our reading. We could have finished the whole chapter there, I'm sure, but we'll finish there at the end of verse number 10 in Ephesians chapter 2. And let's bow for a moment's prayer and ask the Lord to be with us tonight as we think on these things. Our Father, we thank You for this congregation here in Balamoni. We thank you for the opportunity of coming and speaking before this congregation, and we thank you for the spirit of prayer that was given to them even before the, spirit, the service. Uh, Lord, we do pray that you'll bless all who are gathered tonight. Uh, we know something of the needs that have been laid before the congregation, 
but there are many needs, maybe not known to anyone else, needs of the heart, needs known only unto thyself. And so we pray that by your Spirit you would come and, and speak to every heart that's here gathered. We think of those who join us online, and we pray for those, wherever they are, whatever their need might be, that this might be the night when the Spirit of the Lord might challenge them to the life that they live, might comfort them in their need, might direct them in their confusion. Uh, so, Lord, I pray that as we think on Your Word, and as I retell my story, my testimony, that You will give much grace. Lord, we need grace. We need help from above. We need help to speak only of those things which glorify Thy Son and His name. Uh, we need help to not speak of those things which only will bring glory to man. So I pray, Father, that You will hide me behind the cross of Christ and enable me to lift up Christ before this congregation, and that all of us together, as we look on Him, might find in Him the answer to all of our need. Now be with us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. It's been a while since I've been asked to give my testimony, and I have to say it's uh, sometimes easier to preach where you have a message and an outline, and how you condense your life story, especially when you get to my age, into 30 minutes or thereabouts, is very difficult. So I hope that those things that have come to my mind tonight will be a blessing to all of our hearts. And I'm going to base my testimony tonight around a series of pictures. Uh, now, not pictures that I brought with me. I thought that might be a distraction. Uh, but pictures that we're going to imagine together, pictures that we're going to visualize in our mind's eyes as I paint them before you. And in doing that, we're going to take a world tour. So this is for the young people to keep them engaged. We're going to go around the world with these pictures and look at various things and consider them, and through them, I'm hoping then to give you my testimony. Now, the first picture takes us to Canada. Canada, we have very good friends there in Canada, Durham, Ontario, John and Joanne Fraser. Uh, Joanne is the daughter of Frank McClelland, and they're very good friends of ours. They were married the day after we were married, uh, so we didn't meet them on our honeymoon to Canada, but we've met them several times since. And in their home, uh, back on one of those occasions, there was a poster on a bedroom wall. And the poster read, I don't remember the picture itself, but the words on the poster said this, God has no grandchildren, only children. Now, I want you to think about that. I thought about it when I first read it and didn't understand it. I had to get my wife to explain it to me. But I'm hoping through my testimony tonight that you'll be able to understand what it means. So let me tell you a little bit about myself. I was born 24th of June, 1965. I'm 58 to save you the counting. I'm actually the same birthday bar one day to someone in your congregation. They're not here tonight, but uh, you can maybe ask and see if you can find out who almost shares my birthday. I was born uh, into a farming home. My parents were farmers, rural county down, the drumlands of Dramara. I was the second boy born into that family, and my parents were Christians, believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. So from my youngest day, I knew the gospel. In fact, I think I could have told you the gospel uh, as a young child. We went to church 
on the Sabbath day. I was brought up a Reformed Presbyterian. Indeed, my minister hailed from these parts, Reverend Robert Hanna from Corky Mountain, Armoy. Some of you laugh. Yes, indeed. Some of you know it well. And Robert Hanna was my minister as I grew up in my youth. And we attended church how many times on a Sunday? Five times, young people. You think you have it bad? Five times I was at church on a Sunday. Sunday school in the morning, church in the morning, an afternoon Sunday school in a mission hall, church in the evening time, and then an after-church rally in the mission hall. Five times. And then we went visiting with friends. So Sunday was an exhausting day in our home. So maybe you would have looked at me as a young child and thought, well, he's been brought up in a Christian home. He's in a Christian land. He goes to an evangelical church. He knows the gospel message. What more does he need? Isn't he ready for heaven? But God has no grandchildren. Isn't that what the poster said? I couldn't depend on my parents' salvation to get me into heaven. I couldn't depend on the fact that they were Christians and I was their child, that that would be enough to get me into heaven. Maybe some of you tonight are depending on that, depending on your Christian name, your Christian heritage, your Christian congregation, your Christian upbringing, that that will be enough to get you to heaven. But my friend, God has no grandchildren. He needs you to have a personal relationship with Him. You need to have a personal relationship with Him and to be His child if you're going to see heaven at the end of life's journey. Another picture. This one, we're back on our plane again. We're going from Canada. We're flying over to the opposite side of the world to PNG, Papua New Guinea. I've not been there, but there's a picture in our home of my uncle, my uncle's marriage. He was from County Down, but he traveled and ended up in Australia and lived there until his death some years ago. He married a girl from County Down as well, uh, Mary McKnight. Some of you might have known her, George McKnight's daughter. And Ernie and Mary married in Papua New Guinea back some time ago. But the picture I have in my mind is a bit like our wedding picture. There's the signing of the register, and my wife in our wedding picture is, is signing the register, and I'm standing beside her, and behind us, between us, is a spade, a spade that was used for uh, the digging of first sod in Monoslain Church. So I suspect there's many couples here who have very random things in their wedding albums. Now, in my uncle's wedding photograph as his wife was signing the register, there was a picture behind on the wall with just two words on it. And those words we've read tonight, but God. That's all it said. And the reference, Ephesians chapter 2. And as a child, I remember asking my mother, what does that mean? And her explaining to me that, well, as Ephesians, and we've read it together tonight, puts it, except God had intervened in our lives, we would all be lost sinners. Except God had made a way of salvation for us when we were in our sin, then we would all be lost in our sin and damned to an eternal hell. So I'm glad that we read those words in Ephesians chapter 2, but God. And really, they summarize the gospel, do they not? God reached down 
to this sin-cursed world and picked us up, mere fit firewood for hell, picked us up from our sins and gave us new life in Christ. How did that come about for me? So I knew the gospel. I was brought up in the gospel. I could have retold you the gospel. Well, the Spirit of the Lord was working on me for a long time before I came. Uh, I used to go to bed at night and pray the Lord's Prayer. I'd been taught to say the Lord's Prayer. And then I would have added a sentence or two at the end of my prayer, something along these lines, Lord, will you save me? Maybe expand it a little more. And I prayed that every night, but didn't tell anyone. Came back the next night, prayed the same prayer, just in case I hadn't been sincere enough, or maybe I hadn't used the right words, or maybe it just hadn't worked. And so there was this superstition, this fear in my heart that if I passed, was I ready for heaven? And it wasn't until there was a mission in uh, our local town, Balnehinch, interdenominational mission uh, held there when I was the age of 11. And there was a a gospel team over from Canada to take that mission. Barry Moore was the evangelist, and he had a number of people with him. Uh, and actually, I give my testimony in, in Toronto Church some years ago, and uh, one of the congregation came up to me and said, Barry Moore's still alive, actually, and, and they tried to make contact with him, but it didn't quite work out. I think he's passed since then. But Barry Moore preached, and I was captivated by the preaching. But not just the preaching, the singing. They had a fantastic tenor singer called Ray Lyman. And he sang every night, and it touched my heart, some of the words that he sang. And so I have a love of singing, as many of you know. And he sang words that were associated with our area and Balnehinch, and, and he tried to find hymns that were associated with the country that he was dealing with and, and sang those, uh, and he had a, a most beautiful voice. So, on the first Saturday night of that mission, I could resist the Spirit's wooings in my heart no longer. I was standing behind my father. I nudged him on the shoulder, and along with many, many, many people, 19th of June, 1976, I came to Christ. He intervened in my life. He called me to himself. There was upwards of 200 saved in that mission. And those were days of great blessing in our country. We don't think of it that way now. Maybe we do, maybe we should when we look back upon it. But those were days of great blessing. It was the day of my 11 plus result, as I remember. But how all of that peeled into insignificance when we consider the greater import of this decision that I would follow Christ. I was about to move into big school. It was easy in primary school. Everybody heard that I had become a Christian, so that wasn't difficult. But it's a different thing, of course, when you go to big school, and I found that to be the case. I attended Banbridge Academy. I wasn't as bold for Christ as I should have been. I was intimidated. Uh, I was shy, still am by nature, but I was shy and retiring and didn't want to stand out amongst the crowd. Uh, things improved as I got through school further. I started to attend the, the Christian Union, and to any young people here, do get involved with fellow Christians at school. It's important. 
They will help you take your stand and, and to stand up for the Savior. Two pictures so far. Let me give you another one then to give you the next chapter in my life. Now, this one takes us back to the United Kingdom, and we're in Scotland this time, Bonnie, Scotland, and we're in Edinburgh. And uh, there's a, a silhouette being cut by a street artist of my profile. So we were in Jenner's store, some of you will remember that, and we had to sit on a chair and look sideways, and this gentleman, very skilled, with scissors and black card, was able to cut out my profile. But actually, the picture has two profiles on it. But it's not just me, there's someone else in the picture as well, a young lady called Caroline Heron. And that allows me to tell you a little bit about her. I was going to bring the picture with me tonight because I still have it, but uh, unfortunately I've changed a wee bit since then, there's less hair. I did have glasses, so there were glasses. There was only one chin back then, I've got several now to tell for it. Uh, so I didn't bring it. I thought it might be a distraction. But there was someone else in the picture because there was two of us. And that allows me to tell you about my wife, the love of my life. She's watching in tonight. She was the love of my life. She is the love of life. Caroline, you continue to be the love of my life. And we met at school, Bambridge Academy. There's only 17 days between us age-wise. Uh, she was born 17 days after me. But because we straddled the school years, she was the year below me in school. I spotted this girl. It was the red hair, I think, uh, that had me notice her first. But she was lively. She was talkative. No, very talkative. She's not here to defend herself. Uh, and I was taken by how she was uh, enjoyed. Her company was enjoyed by her friendship group. And we watched each other for a while. But then tragedy struck in her family. Uh, she was lower sixth. I was going into sixth form. We were back just on the 2nd of September, 1982, I think it was. And I heard about this chap who was my brother's year, two years a brother, two years above me, who had been killed in a motorbike accident. And I didn't quite know the family well enough to know that this was Caroline's brother, but I soon found out that Caroline was uh, his younger sister. So uh, I sympathized with her and with her sister, Margaret, who was at school also. And I suppose we got chatting and we struck up a friendship. And very soon after that, we started to go with each other. Uh, and I have to say, looking back in those days, I'm still amazed to think at the fortitude and the grace that was given to her family as they dealt with such grief. And in our early days, our courtship, that's a formal word, young people, but that's what it was called back then. In our courtship, we talked often about the Lord. Caroline would relay to me scriptures that she'd been reading that had been a real comfort to her heart. I've lost my Bible, actually, and I'm using hers from back then. Uh, and actually, I just noticed some of the verses that she'd underlined from back then, how the Lord had spoken to her in the midst of such grief. And there's a realness that comes with loss within a family, a realness to our faith and to our belief and to our walk with the Lord that no one else can give. And those were happy days for us even though they were tinged with great sadness. 
So the silhouette, what else can we learn from that? Well, uh, I want to tell you about an interest that developed in me at school. You see, I always liked to know what was in the inside. The silhouette was the outline of me, but what went on inside of me? Uh, that was a curiosity. I liked to know how things work as I was growing up. Some of you know here that I like engines and tractors and Lee Ferguson tractor and all sorts of things, but I had an interest in the body as well. And, and I remember at school, I loved biology. Biology was my favorite class. Some of you might turn up your noses at that thought. And uh, our teacher, he wasn't a Christian, he taught us about fish. And he taught us about fish that went from salt water into fresh water. Now, an evolutionist will tell you that that takes millions of years for a fish to adapt from salt water to fresh water and the change that that brings about. But then he told us about the salmon. And of course, the salmon does that every year when it comes to spawn. It goes from salt water into fresh water. And then he moved on and talking about salt to talk about the kidneys. And I was captivated by all of this. Uh, and of course, here I am at the end of my medical career almost, and I'm back talking about kidneys. Diabetes is my interest, and we have new medication for diabetes that works in the kidneys. And it's the new wonder drug. It's the wonder drug for lots of things. Wonder drug for diabetes, yes. Wonder drug for weight loss. We'll see it advertised. It's not available in the NHS. Don't be disappointed. Wagovi, you've heard me say it, is available. It works in the kidneys, and it's phenomenal at weight loss. So my interest in kidneys has remained over all of these years. Is there a spiritual lesson, though, to be more serious in that silhouette? Well, what did God say to Samuel when he went to anoint David to be king over Israel. You remember the story, Samuel went to the sons of Jesse. He thought Eliab, big, strong, healthy man, the eldest in the family, surely he's going to be the king over Israel. But what did God say to Samuel? He said to Samuel, Samuel, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. I wonder what he sees as he looks into your heart tonight. Is it a heart that's dark with sin? Is it a heart that's at enmity from God? Is it a heart that's trying to run away from the gospel message and the way that you've been brought up? Or is it a heart that's been cleansed in the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you been given a new heart, a heart that wants to serve the Master and Lord? Another picture. Back in our airplanes again, young people. This time we're off to India the continent of India, or the land of India. Naini is a village just five miles south of Allahabad in Uttar Pradesh, and that's a very sacred place in India. It's the meeting of two rivers, and it holds great significance for Hindu people. It's where they come to bury their dead. Their dead are set forth in barges, and the casks are set alight as the dead are released out into the new life, out into the afterlife at the combination of the Yamuna uh, and Hindus River. I was there, uh, age 21, as a medical student as part of my medical elective. And I went along with another chap from Northern Ireland uh, to this place with the leprosy mission. And the picture that I have in my mind that I want to share with you from this place is a picture of someone suffering from leprosy. 
Now, leprosy is likened in the Bible to sin, of course. And this man that I have in my mind's eye was kneeling the way that Indians do, that we can't in Northern Ireland, with legs crossed, uh, and he was blind because of his leprosy. He had been cast out from his home. His home now was the hospital where he stayed. And he had no fingers because they had become numb and anesthetized because of his leprosy. And he had burnt them every time he had tried to smoke a cigarette. He had no toes because they had become insensitive and he had lost his toes and his ability to walk. And yet this man had found the Savior. And he sang. He sang hymns even though he couldn't see and while I didn't recognize the words that he sang, I knew the tune, and I knew these hymns that he sang were hymns that I would have known from my youth. Now, what branch of medicine would I go into? What branch of medicine would I choose? I saw some phenomenal surgery there. Men with restricted hands uh, receiving tendon transplants where their hands were made perfectly whole again people with ulcers on their legs where ulcers were removed. And I did see tremendous surgery. And for a while, I wanted to be a surgeon. Uh, but then, uh, through various circumstances that I'm not going to relate because of time, uh, I came around to thinking about general practice. So many of you know that I'm a family physician, that I'm a general practitioner. What's the interest in general practice for me? What directed me to this avenue of service in my life? Well, a number of things, and I say this to the medical students when they come through, uh, it's got great variety. I see people with headaches, with eye problems, with joint problems, with bowel problems, you name it, all comes my way. People with mental problems, people with spiritual problems sometimes, and the physician's job can be very difficult sometimes to untangle what it is that is the major cause of trouble in their life. Is it a spiritual problem where they need to talk to a minister? Is it a medical problem where they need to come and see me? Is it a mental problem where they need to go and see a psychiatrist? So there's great variety in my profession, and that appealed to me. There's also the opportunity of getting to know people long term. You see, as a surgeon, I would have met them once, taken out their gallbladder on the next occasion, declared them fit after that, and sent them away again. Never saw them again. But as a general practitioner, I see people through happy times. I see them through sad times. I see them through grief within family. I see them through personal difficulties. And that gives a great opportunity to get to know your patients and to share with them. Now, back to my own story. Uh, university days, my wife and I went to different universities. I went to Belfast. My wife came up to Coleraine. We communicated by letter, young people, back then, so long ago, not even by phone, by letter. We would write to each other on a Monday night, post it on a Tuesday morning, get it by Wednesday morning and be delighted that she still loved me. And that's how it was back then. Of course, things have changed a lot since then. Uh, we married uh, after I finished my medical training, after my first year in university, and we've been blessed with three children. Luke, the eldest, Katrina, number two, and Lydia, number three. And we've been blessed by two grandchildren, Alice and Naomi. And a grandparent always finds space in their heart for their grandchildren, don't they? 
and they are a blessing in our lives. Luke's married, lives in Scotland. Uh, Katrina's married, lives here in Northern Ireland. And Lydia uh, is a teacher over in New York. Uh, Luke's a teacher also. So two followed after mom, one followed after me. Katrina is a doctor. And when I retire next year, she'll be fully qualified as a GP, all being well. Now, is there a spiritual lesson from that picture that I've painted to you, this man? Well, it's clearly this. Sin affects the whole man, body, soul, and spirit. Read Leviticus 13, and you'll find out about sin, just how dangerous and difficult it was, how leprosy was, and how it's compared with sin. And sin affects the whole nature. We're totally depraved. There's not goodness within us. Isaiah says that from the sole of our foot, even onto the head, there is no soundness in it. But there's wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. We're all sinners by nature, and we need the grace of God in our lives. Another picture. We're moving continent again, so from India, get back on your plane, young people. We're heading to Africa this time, to Uganda in particular. And uh, I've had a number of trips now to Uganda to visit our missionaries there. Uh, and this came out of a period maybe 10 years ago in my life where I became a little unsettled in my work. I wasn't enjoying it. Wondered if I was doing the right thing. Had the Lord something else for me to do? And I spoke with the missionary chairman as he was then, Mr. Harris, and I shared with him this burden, and he told me to pray about it. Uh, and then he came back to me with the opportunity to go uh, and see what the work is like in Uganda. I've been three times now. My wife has been with me twice to the work, and it's a work that's well known to your pastor here, and how wonderful that work is. Uh, those trips helped me to see need that I've not seen in this country, medical need. We've been able to help some who have had difficulties with surgeries and with treatment. Uh, but I've been able to minister God's Word to a people who are destitute of life's, uh, life's necessities in many ways. And what a wonderful people they are. What did I learn in Uganda? Oh, I think I learned contentment to see some of those children with nothing, literally nothing, and yet they wear a smile on their faces. How content they are. And those of you who've had mission trips or been away to other places will know what I'm talking about. Maybe we're so busy, so wrapped up in our lives here in this land that we lose sight of the contentment that the Christian should have through living a godly life. Isn't that what we read in God's Word, that godliness with contentment is great gain. Uh, Noreen, uh, your uh, member here, uh, was the first missionary student or candidate that I saw as the missionary doctor, if I give myself that official title. Uh, so back then, and that's a long number of years ago now, the mission board asked me if I would speak with those who were seeking to go out as missionary candidates to the mission field to check on their health and to see if there was any advice that I could give from a medical point of view. And Noreen was the first in that list. Uh, so we hold a very special relationship one with the other. 
uh, and she is a wonderful missionary. And if she's listening, I'm saying hello to Noreen tonight. But Noreen said something at a missionary conference that was held in our church just last year, watching my time. And she was asked, was there anything in Africa that she missed when she was back home here in Northern Ireland? And she said, time. She says, everybody has time in Africa. Nobody's got time in Northern Ireland. And again, that same message, godliness with contentment is great gain. Are you contented in your life? Uh, now, in our life's journey, our fathers, if I speak of my wife and I, passed away 2004, 2009. Our mothers passed away 2020. Mine just before lockdown. My wife's mother just during lockdown. And so the circle of life keeps moving on. Now we're the seniors with grandchildren. And so as we move through this life, I wonder what testimony we leave behind, what testimony I leave behind as a Christian. Do I show others the love that Christ has for me in the life that I live? One more picture to share with you. That's in the Middle East. So back on your plane, go north. This time we're on the Sea of Galilee. Back in October, and I'll allow our minister and his wife uh, to be in the picture in our mind's eye. Okay, now, there were others with us, of course, uh, but on this occasion, in October just passed, uh, David and Susan were there, and my wife and I, along with others, out there on the Sea of Galilee. And of course, we were thinking about all of those stories in the Bible that we learn about that Sea of Galilee. And it reminded me of a story in, in Matthew 14, where we read of the disciples, how they were crossing over the lake, uh, over that sea, and Christ had sent them ahead of him, and he had gone up into the mountains to pray, and he had dismissed the crowd. And we know the story, they rode all night, all night, first watch of the night through to nine o'clock, second watch to 12 midnight, third watch to three in the morning, and then we read that in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus came, walking on the water onto them. And what do we learn in that story? Well, we learn of disciples who are in trouble. And some of you might be in trouble tonight. So much trouble that you haven't got the energy or the ability or the presence of mind to pray. You see, those disciples didn't pray in that story, if you read it carefully. And yet Christ was praying, he was watching, and he comes walking to them on the sea. What a wonderful story that is. Some of you have faced great trouble in your life. All of us will face death's valley one day, and it's great to know that we have a Savior who watches over us. One of the privileges that I have in this life is to be brought into those closing moments, perhaps, of a person's life, maybe where they're struggling in their dying hour, family are there, the doctors expected to attend. What words of comfort have I got to give? Well, I'll tell you what I notice, friend. It makes a difference when someone knows the Lord. It makes a real difference. There's a peace that's in that person's heart 
And you can almost sense that the Savior is there speaking to them in the midst of their grief. In our Bible class, we're looking, we've been looking at the life of Peter and we've been following him through the Gospels and we've been looking at him as a disciple and what he had to learn from the Savior. We followed him then into the book of Acts and we've seen him there as the preacher, the great preacher on the day of Pentecost and on those other occasions. And now we're in his epistles and we're looking at him as the teacher. And Peter has many things to tell us in his epistles. But he uses a particular phrase that I like in 1 Peter 2 verse 11. He calls us strangers and pilgrims. And that's what we are in this life. This, if you belong to Christ, is not your home. We don't belong here in this life. Our eternal home is above with Christ and with the Heavenly Father. And since we're traveling to that home, that makes us pilgrims. We're on a journey to our heavenly home. I wonder how you live that life. Back to that Sea of Galilee in that picture. You see, for those of us who know and love the Savior, even if a storm comes, and they do come, for we're promised troubles in this life, even if a storm comes to that sea and comes to your life, our destiny, destination is guaranteed. I will reach that heavenly shore. It's set and it's certain. Now, what about those of you who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, I have to tell you from God's Word that your destiny is set, and it's also certain. For God's Word tells me in John 3, verse 18, that he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the Holy Begotten Son of God. And at the end of the chapter, verse 36, we read these words, He that believeth on the Son hath eternal life, everlasting life, but he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. So, my friends, struggle as you may in this barge, this boat across the sea of this life, you will not reach that heavenly shore unless Christ is in the vessel and he enables us to smile at the storm. How can we smile at the storm? We can smile at the storm because he's with us. He helps us in our need even when we don't have the presence of mind to pray for ourselves. He has guaranteed us a home in heaven. He has guaranteed that he will never leave us nor forsake us. But for those of you who don't know the Savior, I pray that tonight that you will turn from your sin, that you will receive Christ as your Savior. You too, like me, will have your sins forgiven, your heart cleansed and made new, and that you'll be made to be someone who has new life, new spiritual life, a new creature in Christ, a stranger here on this earth, but a pilgrim to that heavenly home. May God bless his word and this testimony to all of your hearts tonight. And I'll ask the Reverend Park if he would come and close up our meeting. Thank you for your attention. Thank you. We appreciate Nigel coming tonight and giving those pictures to us, a testimony in a different way, but nonetheless very challenging and you need the Lord. That really is the, the closing message tonight. 
His message has been for all here and God has spoken. But if you don't know Christ, you need to come to him. And we like to sing 288, I'm coming to the cross. It's the place you need to come to. I am poor and weak and blind. I am counting all but dross. When you come to the cross by faith, what do you find? Full salvation. And you can find full salvation tonight if you come. May you trust in the Lord and cry out for mercy. Never a time at the close of a gospel meeting, but I, I think of the chorus and I, I pray in my heart that there'll be somebody who will sing, pray, say words just like this. I am trusting, Lord, in thee. Blessed Lamb of Calvary, humbly at thy cross I bow. Save me, Jesus. Save me now. He's able to do it. He's able to save you and save you right now in this meeting. Will you come to him? Heavenly Father, we give thanks for the testimony that we've just listened to. We thank you for the triumph of divine grace. Thank you for all the way that the Lord has led Nigel in his life from his birth through to the very moment of his conversion to Christ and all the rest. And we do pray as you guide us and lead us in this life that you will direct our way and right now direct the way of some dear sinner into the way of the gospel. That they might cry, save me Jesus, save me now. Come to trust in Christ as their redeemer. 
And so speak on and let your word that we've listened to tonight be a real blessing and challenge. Dismiss us in your fear and love for Jesus' sake. Amen and amen. And as we always say, if you need to talk to us, we're here. Nigel's here. I'm here. Our elders are here. And it's just a joy for us to be able to talk to you about spiritual matters. You need the Lord. Then you trust in him. Amen.